بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها النبي او بروفيت صلى الله عليه وسلم قل سي لازواجك to your wives plural of the word زوج say to your wives that in if kuntunna you all are you all were kuntunna the noon mushaddad at the end is for feminine plural all right so in kuntunna if you are such that turidna you desire you want you intend from the word irada irada is intention so if your goal if you want al hayat ad dunya the life of the world if your goal is the worldly life wazinataha and its adornment the beautification of this world luxurious houses fancy clothes lots of money good food to eat and so on and so forth if that is your goal then fata'alayna then come the word ta'alayna is from the root letters ain lam waw uluv means hi and when you're calling someone you say ta'al meaning come here all right so ta'alayna come umatti'kunna i will provide for you umatti'kunna from the word mata' mim ta'in meaning i will give you some compensation something some money and this is referring to that come you will be given some money meaning this is a hint towards divorce because every woman who is divorced all right at the time of divorce she is to be given some mata' some monetary benefit we learn in the quran walil mutallaqati mata'un that for all divorced women is a mata' meaning the man must give her something at the time of divorce all right so umattiqunna i will give you something and then wa usarrihkunna and i will let you go usarrihkunna from the root letter seen ra ha tasrih and tasrih is to let go to release to free basically what this means is that i will divorce you usarrihkunna but don't worry you will not be divorced in a humiliating way sarahan you'll be sent how sarahan a release meaning a divorce that will be jamila that will be beautiful pleasing literally the word jamil is from the root letters jin mim lam jamal is what is jamal camel right and jamal is beauty because for the arabs camel was so many things and of them was also beauty so jamila meaning pleasing elegant beautiful that's the literal meaning so sarahan jamila a gracious divorce meaning o wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam if your goal is worldly life and its glamour then you have married the wrong person but worry not if that is your preference then you can go and you have the choice and you will be sent away in a very nice way not in an offensive way whatsoever and then once you're gone once you're no longer married to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam then you can go on and pursue whatever you wish but if your goal is the dunya then you have married the wrong person wa in kuntunna wa in and if kuntunna you are such that turidna allah you want allah your goal is allah allah's pleasure wa rasulahu and his messenger wa daral akhirah 
and the home of the hereafter. And getting Allah's pleasure, getting the companionship of the Prophet ﷺ, getting the home of the hereafter, this demands a heavy price, a heavy investment for you. And if you are willing to do that, then فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ Then indeed Allah, أَعَدَّ He has prepared لِلْمُحْسِنَاتِ For those women who do إِحْسَانٍ مِنْ كُنَّ أَمَنْغْ يُوْ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا A great reward. If you choose Allah, His Messenger, the home of the hereafter, then that would be your إِحْسَان. And when you would do إِحْسَان, then what do you get in return? أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا So choose what you want. Two goals are clearly laid out for the azwaj mutahharat. And what were they? First way is that your goal is dunya and it's zina. But then you would have to separate from the Prophet ﷺ. But worry not, you'll be sent away in a very nice way. But if your goal is the akhirah, if your goal is Allah, then that demands a great sacrifice right now. And what do you get in return? Ajran alima. So decide what you want and then pay its price. You see, the wives of the Prophet ﷺ were no ordinary women. They were royalty and they are still royalty. Because who are they? The mothers of the believers. So if you think about it, out of all women, who is it that deserved the luxuries of this world, the comforts of this world, the riches of this world? Who? Which women? The wives of the Prophet ﷺ. Especially because they had sacrificed a great deal in the way of Allah and they were worthy of all these rewards. However, the Prophet ﷺ was not just a breadwinner for his wives. He wasn't a king whose goal was to take his nation towards financial prosperity. Who was he? He was sent as a giver, as a deliverer, someone to distribute, not to collect and amass. So the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, at one occasion, what happened is that they demanded some money, extra money, or some financial ease from the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Because the financial conditions of the Muslims overall, it was improving. So they demanded from the Prophet ﷺ that we should also be given, you know, all of this stuff for after all, we are your wives. So we should be given more money. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these verses. And these verses are known as the ayat of takhyir. Takhyir meaning choice. That the wives of the Prophet ﷺ are given a choice over here. Alright? What is the choice? That you choose. And it's completely your decision. And whatever you choose, you know, you will not be stopped from that choice, from taking that. If your goal is dunya, it's zina, it's adornment, go ahead. Nobody's gonna stop you from it. But then you can't stay married to the Prophet ﷺ. Because the goal of the Prophet ﷺ is not to make money and make his family richer. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ, his goal was not even to make the Muslims financially prosperous. Right? The goal of the Prophet ﷺ was not related to dunya. Dunya in the sense that increase in dunya, increase in money. No. He came to give. He came to encourage us to give. He came to guide, to deliver. And in order to deliver, you have to give even what you have. The Prophet ﷺ could not have a job like any other person could. 
could not go on business trips if he wanted. He couldn't have a property that he would look after and you know make profits with that. Why? Because he was constantly working fi sabilillah. He was guiding, he was teaching, he was working for the cause of Islam. And so he needed that support from his family also, that they are on the same page. So this is why the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, they're given a choice over here. That you choose. If you want dunya, then you cannot have the companionship of the Prophet ﷺ. Because the Prophet ﷺ's goal is not to make you richer. His goal is not to make his family richer. No. His goal is something else. And if you want the home of the hereafter, and that demands some sacrifice right now, some investment right now, that will bring endless reward, a great reward in the hereafter. So Aisha anha, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, she said that when these ayat were revealed, the Prophet ﷺ came to her. Alright? And he said that I am going to tell you about something and you do not have to rush, alright, in giving me an answer. You must consult your parents. Okay? And the Prophet ﷺ, and then he recited these verses to Aisha anha. And basically he said that, you know, consult your parents. Before you make a decision. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, And why would I consult my parents concerning this? I choose Allah and His Messenger and the home of the hereafter. You see, the Prophet wasallam was such an amazing man. He didn't put any pressure on Aisha radiallahu anha that you're going to choose me, right? You're going to choose the home of the hereafter, right? He didn't put any pressure. He said, I'm going to present you with a choice. And this is from Allah. You don't make any decision. You know, don't hasten, don't rush. Consult your parents. This is the freedom that the Prophet ﷺ gave to Aisha radiallahu anha. You choose. And don't rush, consult. And then whatever you decide, decide with full faith and confidence. And Aisha radiallahu anha, look at her response. Why would I need to consult my parents? I choose Allah, His Messenger, and the home of the hereafter. And the Prophet ﷺ, he presented these verses before all of his wives. And each one of them gave the same response as Aisha radiallahu anha. At that time, when these verses were revealed, the Prophet ﷺ was married to nine women at that time. And inshallah, we will discuss about the marriages of the Prophet ﷺ later on in the surah. Alright? And all of them, they chose who? Allah, His Messenger, the home of the hereafter. Now if you think about it, for a wife, what is her right? What is her right as a wife? That she should be taken care of, right? Her needs should be taken care of in the sense that her financial needs are all taken care of. She's provided with food, with ample luxuries you could say, or not just necessities, but depending on the culture and the time, whatever is appropriate should be given to her. This is the right of a woman. Right? And in Islam, a woman is not obligated to earn money herself. Why? Because the husband has been given the responsibility to take care of his family and provide them with whatever their needs are. Right? Now that is what? That is adl. So if the wives of the Prophet ﷺ are demanding that we should be given more money, we should be given more food, we should be given more, you know, luxury because we need it. You see, Aisha anha, she said that days would go by and the fire would not be lit in the house of Rasulullah ﷺ. Can you imagine if this was our house? What would we do? 
if for an entire month the stove has not been turned on because there is nothing to cook there is nothing to cook so what is it that Aisha radhiyallahu anha would survive on and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would survive on the two black things and what are they dates and water so as a wife wasn't it the right of Aisha radhiyallahu anha to demand from her husband that please do something so that we have food to eat technically isn't she right in her demand for food think about it she's right correct but it wasn't just the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's household that was suffering financially who else was suffering it was the entire muslim community because whatever they had would go in the way of allah because at that time the muslims were struggling so much in so many different ways think about it 70 people the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent somewhere in order to teach people the quran and what happened they were killed that's a big loss at the battle of uhud 70 muslims were killed 70 and who were these people they were fathers they were brothers they were husbands what about their families you understand and then because they were muslim trade was already difficult for them you understand people would not really deal with them that easily travel for the purpose of trade was not safe for the muslims anymore if they had farms even that they couldn't really work on so much because every now and then they would have to leave their farms in order to go defend the muslims remember when the battle of tabuk happened the expedition to tabuk when harvest time that is when the muslims had to leave their lands and travel in the hot season in order to defend the religion of allah so the muslims in general were suffering from poverty at that time so aisha radhiyallahu anha the other wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they demanded that their needs be taken care of so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them this choice and when they chose allah his messenger the home of the hereafter what were they giving up what were they giving up their rights they were agreeing to stay hungry they were agreeing to stay financially weak they were agreeing to all of that and this was their ihsan and hal jazaul ihsani illa al ihsan is there any reward for ihsan except for ihsan no they did ihsan and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also did ihsan to them how that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded them in many ways first of all we see in all of the verses that will come that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increased their status above all other women when allah says lastunnaka ahadin min nisa you are not like any other women your status is higher secondly they had the companionship of the best men they were wives of who the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam thirdly we learn in this surah only that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was forbidden from divorcing them or taking any other wife after them meaning these were his wives in dunya and in akhirah amazing and another favor that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed on them was that he declared the wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as ummahatul mu'minin the mothers of the believers they did ihsan allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also rewarded them for their ihsan what do we learn in these verses the deen of allah what does it demand sacrifice commitment and that sacrifice and commitment what does that bring to a person eternal rewards 
eternal rewards. You see, anything you want to accomplish in this life, if it's big, you have to sacrifice big. Right? And if it's small, you have to sacrifice a little bit. The one whose goal is the luxurious homes of the hereafter, the highest levels, الدرجاتي العلا, then the sacrifice has to be of darajatil العلا also. Right? The investment has to be big also. And now we need to bring this to our lives. Hmm? That, for example, seeking ilm, does that demand some sacrifice? A lot, right? Just the other day I saw somebody... They were hurting a lot, okay, because they had been working out. And I said, what do you do then? You know, if you're instructor, what do they say? That if you're hurting, what should you do? And they said that, oh, my instructor only says, no pain, no gain, and you know, all of these things. I'm like, but how do you soothe yourself if you're hurting from all that working out? You know, your shoulder, your neck. You know, I thought you're supposed to be stronger after you work out, but you seem to be in a lot of pain. The instructor only says no pain, no gain. You gotta work harder. You gotta work harder. That's all that the instructor says. I mean, even in dunya, isn't that what we have to do? Isn't it? So then what do we think about the deen? If we have to seek ilm, if we want to learn, if we want the Quran to become a part of our lives, there has to be something that we have to give, right? And what is it that we have to give sometimes? time. What else? Your brain. <laughs> your effort. Sometimes you have to give up your sleep. You have to give up those you know, very tempting uh, brunches that people may invite you to or your friends are going out to. You have to give up all of those. Don't you? So that is also a form of sacrifice. Right? Sometimes you have to give money. Sometimes you have to give your sleep. You have to purchase a book. You know, in the other TQE course during the week, we have to study a particular subject and for that a book has to be used by the students. And we thought, inshallah, the book will be available from here. But sadly, it's not available anywhere and it has to be ordered from a different country and the cost, because of the fact that the Canadian dollar is very low, the cost of the book is actually $39. Okay? And we might think, oh my God, $39. So we asked the students first, that would you be willing to purchase a book if it's this much money? And mashallah, they all said yes. And these are people who are studying full time. Right? Because there will be times when we have to give that extra money. Where we have to drive a little bit extra. You know, where we have to stay awake, sacrifice our sleep. And when we are giving something in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not a loss. Is it a loss? It's not a loss. What is it? It's ihsan. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls the wives of the believers over here, that فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَعَدَّ لِلْمُحْسِنَاتِ مِنْ كُنَّ أَجْرٌ عَظِيمًا Great reward will be given to who? Those who do ihsan among you. So the reward for ihsan is ihsan. And the dunya, if a person holds on to it, I mean, you're going to eat that brunch, that nice food, and then maybe regret the rest of the day. Isn't it? Just yesterday after class, I went somewhere and I had a paratha. And oh boy, I regret it until I fell asleep at night. Seriously. So, I mean, this is dunya, right? It's never a hundred percent pleasing. It's always got its problems with it. So, 
Aisha radiallahu anha, the wise of the Prophet ﷺ, they were indeed very, very wise when they chose Allah, His Messenger, the home of the hereafter. If the Prophet ﷺ wanted, could he not have a lot of dunya, a lot of riches? He could have, right? And at one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, O Aisha, if I desire, mountains of gold and silver would walk with me. If I wanted, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give me so much. But I chose not to take it. Because no matter what it is, it's going to get left behind. And it's only going to consume us. We are not here to be consumed by the world. We are here to do something so that we can have the home of the hereafter. Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, the world is going to turn its back away. And the hereafter is coming towards us. And each of the two, the dunya and the hereafter, both have their own children. Children meaning their own seekers, their desirers, their inheritors. So he said, be children of the hereafter and do not be children of this world. For indeed today is amal and no hisab. Today you're supposed to work and you're not going to be held accountable. And tomorrow is hisab and no amal. Tomorrow we will be held accountable and we will not be able to do anything. So even though these verses are for the azwaj mutahharat in a particular context, there is definitely a lesson for us. Ya nisa al-nabiyyi Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya nisa al-nabiyyi O wives, O women of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now Allah addresses them directly. Man whoever yati comes, min kunna among you, meaning commits. If one of you commits, bifahishatin, an indecency that is mubayyina, that is clear. If one of you commits a clear immorality, meaning ma'asiya zahira, commits a sin that is evident, meaning it's known or it's clearly a sin, there's no doubt that it's something wrong, whether it's major or minor. If one of you commits a sin, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, yudaaf it will be multiplied. And in particular, yudha'af, doubled. Laha for her, al-adhab, the punishment, li'fain, double. The punishment would be doubled for her. Where? In the hereafter. وَكَانَ ذَلِكَ And that is, Allah upon Allah, yasira, easy. If one of you commits a sin, then the punishment will be doubled. Hmm? Why? Because when your status is higher, your knowledge is greater, you're learning firsthand from the Prophet ﷺ. A sin, fahisha mubayyina on your part, is not an ordinary sin. It's double crime. Why? One crime of the action itself, and the other crime of what? Hmm? Think about it. If there is a person... Okay? Who doesn't know much? Alright? They don't know much. And they end up doing something wrong. Like for example, a three-year-old drops a glass and the glass breaks. What do you do? It's okay. No problem. But if a teenager is playing with a glass, you know, tossing it up in the air and catching it, and then there's a fail, it falls and it crashes, are they going to be held responsible? Are they going to be yelled at? Probably. Right? And they may even be asked to bring a new one in its place. 
clean up the mess. You see how the consequences are doubled, multiplied for them. Why? Because they should have known better. They're old enough. They have no reason to act like that, to behave like that. Right? They're not ignorant. So the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, their status is higher, their knowledge is higher. They were learning firsthand from the Prophet ﷺ. It did not befit them to commit fahisha mubayyina. Now fahisha mubayyina, clear immorality has been interpreted in different ways. Alright, some said it refers to zina, some said other sins, whatever it may be, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it as a clear immorality. Alright? For that, the punishment will be doubled. Why? Because the offense is doubled. How is it double offensive? Because it's wrong, the action itself is wrong, and secondly, it doesn't befit you. You should have known better. And on the other hand, woman and whoever, yaqnut, she is obedient. Min kunna among you. Yaqnut, from qaf nunta. Qunut. What does qunut mean? To be devoutly obedient with humility, with consistency. So whoever is obedient among you, lillahi for Allah, wa rasulihi and his messenger, wa tamal salihan, and she also does righteous deeds. Allah says, Nu'tiha, we shall give her, Adraha, her reward, Marrataini, two times. Once in dunya, and secondly where? In the akhirah. Wa'a'tadna, and we have prepared laha for her, Rizqan karima, a provision that is noble, generous, beautiful, excellent. So over here, the opposite is also mentioned. That if you do good, then your reward will also be double. Why? Because your sacrifice is greater. You see, the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, who are they? They are role models for all women. They were not just wives of the Prophet ﷺ, but they were also muallimats. They were also teachers. So the greater the responsibility, the greater the sacrifice. And with greater sacrifice, the ajr will also be greater insha'Allah. So they willingly chose the akhirah. They sacrificed their dunya. They let go of the comforts of this world. They took the hardships in this life for the sake of the deen. They experienced hunger and thirst with the Prophet ﷺ, fear and danger. And they supported the Prophet ﷺ in every kind of difficulty. They did not leave his side, though they were given the choice when they chose the akhirah then Allah also promised them double reward, double compensation. Because who is Allah? The most fair, the most generous. Right? So it's made clear over here about the status of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. It's high, and with that great status comes great responsibility. And with that great responsibility, there also comes great reward. Let's listen to the recitation. يا أيها النبي قل لأزواجك إن كنتن تردن الحياة الدنيا وزينتها فتعالين فتعالين أمتعكن وأسرحكن سراحا جميلا 